Hi, and welcome to Leechfest, a medical history podcast where we're going to talk about torture. I'm Mia Mulder. And I'm Salem. And today, we're screwing those bolts real, real tight, uh, because torture is kind of complicated. What is it? Why do people do it? And why can we never make an episode that doesn't involve either the Nazis or the CIA? But before we get into all of that, how have you been, my dear co-host? I've been great. We went on vacation. We went to Croatia and it was amazing. Um, I love Croatia. This is the second time we're going. And well, you're going. Yeah. I, I went... have never been to Croatia before this holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went I went there by myself once and I really loved it. And then I convinced you to go and I like to think that you had a great time. I had a great time. Um, it was a wonderful country. Wonderful people. Yeah, it's beautiful. If you get a chance to go, dear listener, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Not just not too expensive either. Like for for our like wonderful vacation. Yeah. Not too expensive. Yeah. Well worth the money. But so we went to Croatia, that was great. And then we got COVID. Got COVID. So pandemic is not over, folks. Uh, In case, no. you know, don't get lulled into a false sense of security like I did, mm-hmm. thinking that, oh, we'll be fine, even if you mask up on the plane there. No. It's not over. It's and, fu- Yeah. We've it's, been sick for like a week now. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because I actually don't think I've had COVID before this. Like somehow I made it through two years of pandemic mm-hmm. without... I mean, I, I I was sick a little bit in the first year, but I, I never tested for it. I don't and I don't know. It didn't really last for a long time, and yeah. this is when I wasn't vaccinated yet, and so I don't think it was COVID. So I think this is actually the first time I'm yeah, like I'm getting co- proper COVID. COVID. Proper COVID. Yeah. Yeah. It's not it's not good. It's not nice. No. And I'm um, I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of worried about long COVID. <laughs> um, yeah. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, we should. That's a, that's also a future podcast episode. Once people know more about it, mm-hmm. yeah. Like I every don't... day we read like a new report, being like long COVID causes all sorts of things that we just find out about. Yeah, but I don't. I don't really know how we're gonna make an episode about it because we don't really have enough information about it to like. No, but the, make that's, a. That's what I. That's what I said. Like once we yeah. know more about it. Yeah. Like... Well, that might be like a few <laughs> years or decades from now. Yeah. yeah. Well, the podcast. I, I'm planning on doing the podcast in a few decades. I hope. We'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how. Okay. Um, we'll see if the internet is around in a few decades. Yeah. Uh, anyway, how have you been? I've been good. I've been I've been doing the exact same things you've been doing because yeah. we live together and we went on holiday together. Yeah. So we haven't done anything else. So I, I spoke si- for both of us. Yes. Basically. Since the last episode, we went on holiday, which is great. Like to be fair, it was great. Great to go on holiday, but it was like we did that. Came home and had COVID. That's it. <laughs> Not, not a single unique thing has happened to either one of us. <laughs> Played a lot of Sims. Um, yes. And a lot of Project uh, Zomboid. Yes. Uh, which was great. Honestly, I think we both needed it. Do you know what we should do for ha- Halloween this year? For the Halloween special episode? What? The zombie virus. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, the real zombie m- The virus. medically recognized, recognized phenomenon. phenomenon. The zombie virus. Anyway, we got a patron to thank for this episode, and that patron is Cricket Shavit. Thank you, Cricket, for sponsoring this episode, for supporting us this month. Uh, without you, we wouldn't we wouldn't have made it. And thank you to all of our other patrons for also supporting us and for um, giving us a purpose. 
For giving us a sense of self and purpose. A sense of self and purpose. For giving us a soul. Mm-hmm. For giving this podcast a soul, you might even say. Mm-hmm. And also for all of our listeners who, even if you don't support us financially, listen, listening and sharing and rating us and commenting, that all really helps. Yeah. And we thank you from the bottom of our souls. Yeah. All we want is for people to listen and, and thank enjoy. You for that. Thank you for that. Enjoy enjoyment is secondary. <laughs> you don't have you don't have to do that. We like it if you do, but you don't have Listening to. Listening is is good. Enjoying is not mandatory. <laughs> um, one thing that I realize we need to do before we actually get on with the episode is give a quick content warning. Oh yeah. Um, so this episode is about torture. <laughs> yes. Not even like interesting <clears throat> like. <laughs> Not even specific torture, just torture, generally. When I wrote my section, I... And we actually talked about this before, mm-hmm. even starting to work on the notes, that we we didn't want to make it into, like, a... A spectacle. Like, a spectacle and, like, you know, make it uh, just, like, morbid. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to be discussing torture in detail, but there's going to be mention of torture. Yeah. So, you know, it's an episode about torture. Yeah. Like, if you're sensitive... To torture. To torture, don't listen to this one. Yeah. I think everyone's sensitive to torture. But if you're especially <laughs> sensitive to torture, then you know. Well, take the content warning as you will. Yeah. This episode is about torture. All right, torture. Let's start with some definitions of what torture is. Torture is the action or practice of inflicting severe pain or suffering on someone as a punishment or in order to force them to do or say something. It's happened throughout history and still today. And it's one of the worst things that one person can do to another person. A theme that we see cropping up occasionally in the segment that I'm going to talk about is that people, no one really likes torture. Like even in eras of history where we sort of like expect to see a lot of torture, no one, no one loves it. It's a sort of universally seen as like a gross evil thing to do by basically everyone, but it still happens. In fact, torture seems to have been a universal human phenomenon and has existed in every human culture in world history, except maybe the ancient Hebrews. So good on you, ancient Jews. Uh, You may have been the only culture in the world that didn't use torture. I think that's so interesting, though. That's like, of of all cultures in the world, there's one that doesn't, and it's them. Do you know why they didn't do it? I'm, I'm guessing it's like for religious reasons. Yeah, and I don't get into this too much later, but it's actually a reason why in the Middle Ages, a lot of Abrahamic religions have objections against torture on like specifically spiritual grounds. Hmm. But, you know, that also happened in like multiple other religions as well. This is not like a, an Abrahamic thing, of course. Um, but the reason why Abrahamic religions do it is because they trace back to the Hebrew roots. Mm. I think it's interesting though because mm, I so I know that it's uh, torture is like prohibited in a bunch of other religions including oh, yeah. Islam yeah. but like Muslim people do torture oh yeah and so do Christians and so do yeah exactly There's, I'm not, I'm not yeah. so like it's it's prohibited for religious reasons but people still do it but people still do it and it's so interesting as to why that mm. we will get into because my segment here is mostly about the legal aspects of torture like why people do it and what in what circumstances we can do it mm-hmm. no, well not we can do it but like why people did it there will always be people who sort of extrajudiciously do torture out of just cruelty or uh, like tyranny but there are so many like exceptions to rules all over history that it's it becomes too many to count so I'm going to track like general legal patterns in history so we can sort of get an overview. And then that will lead into your segment, which is going to be more about the modern era of torture. So you can sort of see 
how we got to where we are today. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be fun. Now, the threat of torture has been a way to keep the low folk, the common people, the proles in line. No one wants to even be suspected of breaking the law if the punishment is torture, after all. We have this perception that torture was extremely common in the ancient world, but it was actually a lot more regulated than people think. And whether or not torture would be used would depend on a few factors that torture scholars typically point out. Uh, I love torture scholars. I know. <laughs> I, I, read, I read this book, um, uh, I think it's like called Torture the Great Conspiracy or something like that, mm -hmm. by a guy who basically dedicated his entire life to just studying torture in the ancient world. Mm -hmm. and that's all he did. Academics. Academics is weird, y'all. Now, almost all of these factors apply cross-culturally and across time, even today in many circumstances. So I'll mention some specific examples later on. But apparently, us humans just like torture in a certain way. One factor is citizenship, which often protected people from the threat of torture, except under extreme conditions, such as if they had committed treason or heresy. Everyone else, though, especially slaves, did not have that protection and were often tortured during their criminal proceedings. This includes people who were uh, spies, enemy soldiers, prisoners, things of that nature. Um, other people are fine to torture. Mm -hmm. Our people, we don't torture. And reasons for torturing other people would vary depending on the person in charge and could range from punishment to extracting information. I should also say that there are always going to be exceptions to these things. Tyrants are going to be tyrants, and sometimes the rules were broken, but generally those were the rules. In ancient Greece, for example, citizens, which keep in mind is a very small segment of the overall population, were immune from torture, but slaves could be tortured even in civil court cases between citizens. In fact, it was even seen as a way to make their testimony more credible, because a slave was seen as being so inherently biased in favor of his master that torture would make the testimony admissible. But again, people back then didn't really see the testimony super credible. It's just that the torture made it admissible in court. You can't trust a slave, but you can trust a slave that's been tortured. At least a little bit. And that's a really interesting process, like thought process. Yeah. Because, I mean, later they realize that torture actually makes what a person says... Like, less reliable. Less, less reliable, less credible. Yeah. But back then they thought that if a person is tortured, then they have to say the truth. They're, to tell the truth. That they're more likely to tell the truth. Because the idea was that a slave... A slave would never, like, testify against, against their, master, their master, for example. Right? And the only way for them to, to even consider do that, that is by torturing be, yeah, them. Exactly. Mm. So, but even then they sort of considered this of being like not super reliable. Mm -hmm. The torture part is not the best. They knew that like throughout that like they're not always going to get like the truth out of torture. But they just considered it being like the lesser evil of like, well, it, it's a way to get some, some information. Some information, exactly. Mm -hmm. There might even be some evidence that slaves could take the place of their masters in regards to punishment. I've tried to find some examples of the methods used, but every article out there only talks about like the most extreme and rare methods, and most of them were used for the purpose of execution, for like extraordinary cases, mm. which that is a type of torture, but it's not really what we're like looking for here. But it is. It, it, I've also seen some some stuff about how, um, yeah, if if the masters uh, broke the law, mm -hmm. sometimes the slaves would 
take the punishment for the masters. But and it's and it's interesting because in many cases, uh, depending on city state, it's not a one to one correlation. Mm. So like if if a master has a punishment of like a fine for a slave, that would be even worse mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. the idea is that you're offloading. You're offloading your responsibility to someone else, so that punishment has to be greater, mm-hmm. so that the guilt that you feel from offloading your responsibility to your slave is like equivalent to the to the crime you committed. Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah. So yeah. you know, if a master has to pay twenty dollars <laughs> for the crime, they have to flog three of their slaves mm-hmm. for two days, which seems like a great deal for the slaves. Yeah, I gotta say, did nothing wrong, and to save twenty bucks. <laughs> Now, uh, the methods that I found that were used were mostly flogging and exposure, meaning, you know, they just throw them outside in the cold overnight, no clothes, no water, no food, until they say what they want them to say, which, you know, it's horrible, but it's not really clickbaity enough, I guess, Mm. for the history.net clickbait articles where they talk about that shit. But in most cases, almost all over the world, outside of Greece, it was still somewhat regulated, even for slaves. In both Persia, Japan, China, Europe, and pre-Columbian America, torture would only really be allowed in cases where there was already some evidence that indicated guilt. And so the torture was allowed in order to get a confession. So that is the second factor here, assumed guilt. To show the height of this factor, let's skip ahead a little bit to medieval Europe. Due to medieval legal code, there was a very high barrier of proving guilt. Unless you had very direct evidence, like catching someone red-handed, you'd most likely need two eyewitnesses, along with a lot of circumstantial evidence. If you didn't have that, or only part of it, but you were sure that it was a certain person, judges could authorize torture in order to extract confessions, which was seen as the highest of evidence. The queen of evidence, some even referred to. A reason for this was because a lot of legal codes were based on Roman legal code, which had similar elements and similar attitudes towards torture. In fact, it was only Sweden and England which forbade the use of torture in the medieval period. Although, of course, we'd both come around to the European <laughs> trend later. Just give, give us time. Just give us time, we'll get there. Which is, I think is kind of interesting, because like Viking Sweden for sure tortured. So like, yeah, I'm, so, a little, I'm a little surprised. So like, I guess Christianity came into Sweden and we were like, okay, we'll stop. Oh, the Christians are doing it too? Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) And this is why torture actually becomes a favorite tool of judicial justice in the 12th century, when Europeans had to become super weird about witchcraft and heresy. Until now, torture is actually somewhat rare, and was seen by contemporaries as an extremely rare and unusual punishment or treatment. But how do you prove someone has committed heresy or witchcraft? It's basically impossible, since you're not going to be able to have CSI Salem witch hunters to come in and do magic forensics. (laughs) Dun dun, dun 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 and hold on. Witch busters! Cops, witch busters! So, torture would be the method which grew in use with the so-called inquisitorial movement, the most famous of which is probably the Spanish one, which, I mean, I guess most people have heard of the Spanish Inquisition. And torture was often okay to use during investigations because both heresy and witchcraft was seen as treasonous crimes against God, which overrides your protections as a citizen. But oftentimes, heretical movements were also associated with peasant uprisings, so heresy was seen as a threat to both the church and secular powers. Religious movements would often advocate for a complete shift in political thinking as well, 
So it's not just a threat to the king, but a threat to the concept of kingdoms generally. Today, they'd probably be considered revolutionary movements more than we'd consider them to be cults. I do like how um, we did make an episode about witchcraft yeah. and how most of the people who were accused of witchcraft were like, you know, old women who didn't have a family and maybe had like a, an herb garden yeah. behind their house. Uh, and I love how the Pope sees that and they're like, threat to king, threat to the church, threat to kingdoms, threat to decency, common decency, the law of man. Well, to, to be fair to the Pope, <laughs> to hand it to the Pope, to give it to the Pope, the, the, main, the main cause of concern here was not witches. Mm. Witches was like far down on the list. They were, they were targeted in the same sort of like inquisitorial movement, but they mm -hmm. were not the target of, mm -hmm. of this. It was mostly heresy. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Europe during this time, right, is like in is getting sort of entrenched in Catholicism, the Catholic Church. But there are movements like around Europe where they go like, well, you know, fuck the church. <laughs> and all the kings in the area are also like uh, taking a lot of their sort of authority from the church as well. Like they're mm -hmm. they're getting a lot of like mm -hmm. credence and legitimacy from the church. Mm -hmm. So if the church doesn't matter anything, then then neither does the king mm -hmm. um, or the local duke or whatever. Mm -hmm. So. Uh, in southern France, for example, there used to be a lot of like heretical movements where mm -hmm. uh, people essentially decided to be like, well, no, we're not going to pay taxes to any king. We're not going to pay taxes to the church. We're just going to organize ourselves into basically communes and do what we want to do mm -hmm. ourselves. And maybe have, we'll have our own little pope that we choose locally, like a little experiment in like weird pseudo-democracy. And this is something that the church absolutely hated mm -hmm. um there's a there's a quote there's a famous quote from where there's because there's a crusade there's a crusade into southern france people don't talk about it being a crusade but they they let an armies in there to root <laughs> that out to fix that problem there, there's some quote and i don't remember the full details of it but it's it's an army walking into a town to root out heresy and an officer asks the general being like how do we know which ones are heretics and how do we know which ones aren't now, some obviously use torture, which is what we're talking about here. But the general here says, kill them all and let God sort out the rest. And that's what they did. I'm sure they did. Sounds like exactly the kind their, of thing they would do. Yeah, but that's it's really not their job to sort people into heaven. That's God's no, job. No. Uh, that's really interesting. So basically, like, uh, anti-communism of the 12th century... <laughs> The methods used during this time, though, like by the Spanish Inquisition and other inquisitorial movements when it comes to torture, uh, were thumbscrews and something called a strapado, mm. uh, where a person's arms would be bound behind their back, after which they'd be suspended by it, which dislocates both arms at once. I hear they still use those. They do. It's a very effective torture, tor torture mm, method. It hurts like a motherfucker. hurts like a motherfucker. No permanent damage. Well, you know, some permanent You know, damage. your shoulders get dislocated. Yeah, but... which isn't great. But it's <clears throat> it's minorly invasive for torture. Like, mm -hmm. it's not going to kill you. Mm -hmm. um, but it hurts like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Another reason for why torture began to be used was because jurists of the medieval period began revising their legal code as Roman code began to be not outdated but needed to be, like, codified and revised. Because right now everyone's using, like, their own kind of interpretation of it. So everyone's sort of like, okay, we need to go back to basics. We need to write this shit down and see, <laughs> see what the law actually is. Because no, no, no one knows what the law is. 
Uh, Roman law allows for torture, but mostly for slaves and only under heavy regulation. But in the medieval period, they don't really have a slave class anymore. They're mostly serfs. So, jurists argued, citizens are still protected. But the law doesn't protect the serfs, so torture is fine now. This is almost definitely intentional. Like, it's not as if someone actually was like, oh, technically it doesn't say serfs, so we can torture whoever we want. No one, no, no, it wasn't a technicality thing. It was more like, well, you know, technically it doesn't say it, so we can do it. <laughs> um, and it, this coincides with the inquisitorial movement to sort of like justify as why this was legal. Basically saying that we're not technically breaking the law by doing this, technically. But this is a choice. There's an example of this in the Comsei, which is a French legal text from the 13th century, which follows Roman code very strictly, but makes no reference to torture whatsoever. It just skips that part. <laughs> but despite this, many organizations and people still self-regulated, especially church agencies, which generally didn't love torture. The Spanish Inquisition, specifically for example, only allowed torture when it was the last resort in order to get a confession didn't allow any method that would leave permanent injury, and you couldn't do it over and over again. Depending on the severity of the crime, it would depend how many times you could be tortured. If you counterfeited money, you could only be tortured twice, but for the harshest crimes or pun like the harshest punishment that you could receive was to be tortured eight times. How do they, I mean, how do you determine what counts as a discrete unit of torture? Ah, I'm so glad you asked, because they thought about this too. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> because they have a time limit on torture. Mm -hmm. So you can you can use all sorts of different methods, right? But, but you have to fit it within, in, within one hour. Within 15 minutes. Oh, shit. The Spanish Inquisition had a time limit of 15 minutes per torment. Um, per torment. <laughs> which was actually sort of like kind of chill. Mm -hmm. People talk about the Spanish Inquisitions being like sort of a brutal, ty tyrannical like, movement, I mean, which it was. Like they let a lot of, they sure, killed a lot of people. Sure, but like wait until you, like wait until I start talking about torture today, because <laughs> yeah, they do yeah. not have a time limit on torture. <laughs> no, but um, like the Spanish Inquisition was the was the nice ones, yeah. even like within their time, because the Roman Inquisition, which is the one led by Rome, the Spanish one is led by the Spanish king. Um, but the Roman Inquisition, they have half an hour time limit, mm -hmm. so you can be tortured twice as much. But yeah, then, damn, 15, I mean, 15 yeah. minutes, like, that's not that bad. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fun time in the dungeon. Like, I mean, okay. I mean, you'll still be tortured. You're still, still, it's still torture. Yeah. But like, because I mean, I'm thinking about a lot of, um, a lot of the torture methods, like, need a long time for mm -hmm. them to be effective. Like, to be, the, like, psychologically damaging. Psychologically yeah. or physically damaging. Like, the one where they hang you up by mm -hmm. your, uh, what, staccato was it called? Or what was it called? Uh, strapado. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, 15 minutes, of course it hurts, but you kind of need like a long time for your shoulders to be dislocated. So then 15 mm -hmm. minutes is not even enough. I guess they had no, to come they, up they, with creative... They, they pull you down. Oh, like, they pull they, they you. dislocate your shoulders for you. I That's guess not... maybe they can also add weights and stuff to yeah. like speed up the process. Yeah. And you know, they, they do things to you while you're strapped up there. They don't, you don't just <laughs> hang around for 15 minutes. Like they, you know, they do things. They to do you. things to you. Things happen to you. It's it's gonna be the worst fifteen minutes of your life. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's just fifteen minutes. I mean, minutes. it happened. It happened a long time ago. But I should. I, we shouldn't laugh. You shouldn't laugh. It's a thousand years ago. It's too soon. It's too soon. But it should be said also, like the church here, the church hated torture. They didn't like it because it's very unchristian. 
um, it, you're not allowed to do it within Christianity, technically. But it's seen as a natural consequence of secular judicial systems. Mm -hmm. It's seen as just like, that's, that's just how justice looks like. Mm -hmm. This is just, this is how the world is. I mean, technically, they aren't supposed to drink alcohol either, but that kind of, you know, that's how the world is. So, of course, you're going to drink a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, um, it's, it's one of those things where, like, they sort of do it, but they sort of argue that they're better at doing it because they have strict limits on themselves because kings of this period for example they don't have a time limit they can do whatever the hell they want mm. they 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 can and will come up with like weird cruel ways of, of torturing people people so, were very creative back then people were very creative back then there's not much else to do except torture people can i tell you this yeah of course when i was a wee babe <laughs> you were obsessed i had Chinese water torture. no no but i had um somewhat Un uncontrolled internet access and one day i stumbled upon oh, no. an illustration of every single one of the 101 uh chinese torture methods mm -hmm. and that shit got burned in my brain permanently it's in there anyway do you mention it at all no. no no i i i mentioned chinese uh the legal system of of China, how, mm -hmm. the, how they saw torture a bit later, though. Mm -hmm. So later. it, it mm -hmm. comes up. It's very quick because compared to Europeans, they didn't do it that much. Mm -hmm. They were inventive about it, but they didn't do it that much. I should also mention that, like, as historians, we're also, like, limited by the historical record of what people write down. Yeah. And there is a sort of, like, open secret because, like, states, kings, governments, and scribes, whatever, they're not going to write about their docker shit. <laughs> like do you know do you know what I mean? Like, well, somebody wrote about that. Someone wrote about that, yeah. But like, can you? There's there's basically a, a, an open thing about like that. A lot of like large states have tortured people like gruesomely, but we have no idea of knowing because like the the king is not going to be like, ah yes, I have committed Dear vile crimes against God. Come on, scribe. <laughs> Take this down in detail of how horribly cruel I am. Like, that's not something that they're going to do. You know come what I mean? Come on, scribe. Come on, scribe. Tell the world how... Slave boy. Slave boy. Come tell the world how cruel and disgusting I am. <laughs> this will help me win the love of the people. Like, you know, they're, gonna, they're not going to do that. So, you You're know, right. that's... That, it's. I, men I mentioned, like, it a bit later. So it's good to have that in context, that we don't know everything. We know a lot about the, the, about the Catholic Church. Because they shit, they wrote shit down. They were they were in those like torture chambers, just like today. I applied this much pressure to the thumb of the Jew, and they converted after this much pressure. Uh, let's try it on the next Jew and see if it works there. The Muslims are re uh, surprisingly resistant to conversion with a thumbtack, but they are weaker to the burnings. Like that shit, like that, that, that's what they did. Like they wrote everything down because they loved writing shit. And so thanks to that, we have a lot of historical records about how weird they were. A win for the Catholic Church. <laughs> Thank you, Catholic Church, for writing your stuff down. I would love to have like access to the Vatican archives one day. It's the wet dream of every historian to have access to the, to the Vatican archives because they don't let anyone in. They, they only let people in who they like. And they only let people who they like have access to specific documents that they request. They can't just go around looking. <laughs> I've never seen you look so passionate about anything. But Get you a girl who looks at you like Mia <laughs> looks at me when she's thinking about <coughs> the Vatican records of torture. I'm saying there's some good shit in there. <laughs> Juicy. Imagine all the shit that we know about the Vatican right now. Can you imagine the stuff that they have locked up in there? I don't know. I've been reading a lot about torture today, and I don't know if I need to write about to read about more. That's fair. Like at some point, 
at some point you need to choose happiness. <laughs> I also want to say, I also want to quickly say a joke here that I that I wrote in. Oh, joke. Um, because I, because I had it, I thought it was very funny when when we recorded. So the Spanish Inquisition has a time limit of fifteen minutes per torment, um, which is a better deal than the one I get at my hair removal removal salon. <laughs> it goes on for a full hour. But from this point forward, torture becomes a lot more normalized. In German-speaking Europe, which generally was more free from Roman code overall, torture began to be used in similar ways as their more southern counterparts, while completely free from Roman code. Secular rulers began using the church's argument in order to solidify their own power, and accusing their political enemies of being heretics, and thus finding an easy way to get rid of them in a now legal way. This is why torture actually becomes an effective method in the establishment of absolutism. You do what the king says or you go in the boiler. <laughs> so this is really a case of politicians or rulers abusing the rules that exist in order to get more power for themselves. Truly, time is a flat circle. Truly. And until the 18th century, it would stay normalized. But that being said, it's not as if people loved torture. Most people don't like doing torture, and it seems that scholars and officials knew that torture in order to extract confessions often resulted in false confessions in order to escape the pain. Duh. <laughs> Emperor Augustus himself of the Roman Empire said in the Book of the Digest, one must not begin with torture, and one must not trust it completely. Wise man. <laughs> Common, uh, I often say I the same thing. say this every day. It's one of those inspirational quotes. <laughs> I want to put that on a motivational poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With like a cat hanging on. One must not begin with torture. Like a sunset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one must not begin with, with torture. I would love to have like a Sun Tzu version book, but about torture. By Emperor Augustus. Mm -hmm. why, why don't people quote him more often now? No, it's cute. I also found another uh, fun example of arguing against torture by our very own, not our very own, uh, Voltaire, but who blames the legal system for being too obtuse. It is in vain that the law requires two witnesses against an accused. If the Chancellor and the Archbishop of Canterbury both testify that they saw me murder my father and mother, and then proceed to eat them for supper in a quarter of an hour, the Chancellor and the Archbishop should be locked in bedlam rather than I should be burnt on their testimony. It makes sense. He's got a point. He's got a point. Because that's also like a consequence of like their legal system. Like, like if you had two eyewitnesses... Well, you're gone. You're gone. Like it doesn't matter like what the evidence is because that, that's also seen as sort of like... That's, that, that's good evidence. Yeah. But does anybody ask you what you think about the eyewitnesses? Doesn't no. really matter unless you confess. <laughs> no, but what I mean is like what if those two people conspire against you? Oh, then you're fucked. Then you're fucked, right? This, but there's a, this they, is should, a... they should think about that. <laughs> it's a bad system it's a when bad you system. think about it. Well, you, do, you do also kind of need a, uh, some circumstantial evidence as well. So you need some sort of... You need something else to sort of verify that these eyewitnesses are actually, are actually eyewitnesses. Mm. So you can't just like... I saw Betsy over by the pond conspiring with the devil. <laughs> and someone else is like, I saw that too. Dead. <laughs> But it wasn't until the 18th or 19th century that torture began to be properly phased out. Why, you might ask, it's such a flawless system of justice. Governments of the time would say that it was because of the goodness of their hearts and because of the progressive values of the Western world that it was seen as a punishment before proving guilty and that reformers had won with their enlightenment ideas 
And this line of thinking was pretty dominant in historical and legal academia for centuries. But now historians are starting to think that it's bullshit. The historian John Langbean argues that the main reason was because of the changes to the judicial code that came along with the downfall of a lot of feudal societies. People get angry, they want new laws, and they make them from scratch. And this means that the barrier of sentencing became lower. You didn't need two eyewitnesses anymore, and so torture didn't become as necessary anymore. Because fuck confessions, like we don't, we don't need that anymore. Another potential reason for why torture was phased out was because societies began to view pain differently. In religious movements, pain is often seen as cleansing and healing, as a way to atone. But in the 17th and 18th centuries, medical science is becoming more dominant and pain begins to be viewed as a purely medical issue with no inherent spiritual value. And this is actually why torture was seen as a necessary evil. It wasn't just a means to an end, it was in itself good for the soul, even if the person was innocent. A little bit of torture never hurts anyone. <laughs> never hurt. I think this is so interesting though. Like, like the fact that people were just fine with torture, like being committed towards potentially innocent people, because it's like, yeah, if, you know, if they're innocent, that's fine. Yeah. Like their soul will be healthier for it. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting how pain is like normalized and seen as good in like Christianity. Mm -hmm. Especially like old Christianity. Mm -hmm. And uh, for what? And for what? <laughs> a more modern explanation by our favorite bald man, Mikey Fakeout, is that torture, this is Michel Foucault, sorry, is that torture stopped being used because governments found more effective and subtle ways to control their citizens. Torture acts as a way to demonstrate the power of your sovereign over the physical body of the subject, but these new methods include transportation, workhouses and prisons as ways to instill values in the population to self-monitor and to self-report. You don't need to show your power over your subjects if you can get your population to snitch on each other. Now, all of this is mostly about Europe though, so I'd like to quickly mention some large legal systems outside of Europe for balance. In Imperial China, torture had always been somewhat rare and de facto banned in the 16th century when it basically stopped happening and was entirely outlawed in 1902. And that was it. That was basically it. It rarely happened and it happened less and then it got banned. Historians don't actually know that much more about like other forms of like judicial widespread torture simply because the norm seems to have been that it was very rare and didn't happen too much. Or people didn't write about it when it happened. Exactly. Also, very quickly, for those of you who don't know, transportation is when you do a crime and you get sent off to the colonies. It's not you take the bus, it's <laughs> you take the bus to Australia. <laughs> and you don't come back ever. You don't come back, yeah. However, even in Europe, it was only really abolished for citizens still. Torture was still used against foreigners, especially as part of colonialism. First of all, the institution of slavery obviously contained massive amounts of normalized torture, which was legal because slaves were not even seen as human, much less citizens in the eyes of the law. Torture was also used by European colonizers in order to intimidate workers, maybe most famously in the Belgian Congo where lashings and mutilations were common to instill fear in the population and to make sure that they reached their rubber harvesting quotas. Gotta do it for the rubber. Gotta do it for the rubber. And all of these theories of abolition, none of them can explain this because it should have been abolished for everyone, which has led some thinkers today to argue that the practice of torture in fact 
was never really abolished and has simply changed to be more palatable to mainstream people and contained to those people society considers it fine to torture. We can see examples of this happening with the use of torture by fascist and communist regimes in Europe, as well as by liberal and conservative regimes in South America. Nazi Germany would use torture in order to extract information, mostly from resistance members, choosing to use mass killings as punishments instead, while communist regimes often tortured political opponents. And capitalist regimes in South America would torture members of communist insurgencies, union activists, and people suspected of being part of communist insurgencies or union activists. Finally, I always want to mention that there's a theory that torture as a phenomenon goes away after a society becomes like liberal or advanced. But this is obviously not true, as many societies, even liberal democracies, often resort to torture when under threat of war or terrorist attacks or just because they do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna talk about the use of torture by liberal democracies. Can't wait. Um, in the next section, so we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. All right, so <clears throat> for the second part of this episode, I'm gonna be talking about torture in modern times. And um, kind of sucks to be following up uh, your part that was really funny and interesting with modern times because it's, <laughs> well, it's really not that, yeah. no well it's really hard to make jokes about torture in modern times because yeah. it either happened not very long ago or it's currently happening yeah. um, so this part is going to be a little more mellow a little more, more somber probably an attitude that I should have had too no, but I no, guess like it happened a, a thousand years ago yeah <laughs> Happened 2,000 years ago in ancient Rome. Like, yeah, it's fine. It's not fine, but it's more fine. Okay. Um, so, I'll start by saying that torture has technically been prohibited through a variety of acts and agreements. Technically. But only technically. <laughs> I'm saying technically on purpose. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights was the first of such acts, and it was adopted by the United Nations in 1948 as a response to the war crimes committed during World War II. In 1984, a convention against torture was negotiated and ratified by over 150 countries. The convention did a few things, the first of which is providing a definition of torture, specifically. Any act by which severe pain or suffering, whether physical or mental, is intentionally inflicted on a person for such purposes as obtaining information or a confession, punishing them for an act they committed or are suspected of having committed, intimidating them, or for any reason based on discrimination of any kind when such pain or suffering is inflicted by or at the instigation of or with the consent of a public official or other person acting in an official capacity. It does not include pain or suffering arising only from inherent in or incidental to lawful sanctions. It's a very interesting definition and the thing with this definition is that it's not easy to go around it, but people have tried, and that's how a lot of governmental agencies get away with torturing people, but still stay within the bounds of this definition. Yeah. Um, anyway, this convention obligates its signing members to prevent torture in the territories under their jurisdiction or transport people to any country where they believe they will be tortured. <laughs> Something that I bet people have definitely oh, abided oh by. Oh my god. Um, yeah, totally. It yeah. like completely... Yeah, absolutely. They fix it. They fix it. There's no more torture. Um, they... Yeah, it's fine now. 
yeah it's like, it's pride wrap it up. it's pride week here in stockholm and as always there's always like discussions about like sweden exporting like gay gay people because we keep doing that for years we kept exporting like afghan refugees back to afghanistan mm-hmm. with the argument that it was safe mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> good good job on that one <laughs> it's so safe now for mm-hmm. the gays there mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. you guys However, this is hardly to say that torture is not practiced anymore. On the contrary, governments torture for a variety of reasons, uh, including under the pretext of protecting national security, uh, counterterrorism, or to obtain information. And that's just a f- like to name a few. Yeah. One interesting difference between the use of torture in the past and its current use is that today, torture is rarely used against full members or uh, citizens of, of, a, of a society. So, like you said um, earlier, in the ancient and the early medieval world, uh, torturing citizens was either very uncommon or straight up prohibited, whereas beginning with the 12th century, they started implementing torture quite a bit on citizens. Like, Mm -hmm. it was still uncommon, but citizens were sometimes tortured. Um, The Spanish Inquisition strikes again. (laughs) And like you said, this was because of the new high standard of proof and because torture was a good way to extract confessions. Or so they thought, mm-hmm. until they realized that torture is actually a bad way to extract confessions. Yeah. Turns, turns out people will just say shit. Yeah. They will. Uh, turns out that when you're in like excruciating pain, you will say anything to get away from it. Yeah. And of course, they also tortured because of the widespread belief that heresy was dangerous and almost like contagious. Mm-hmm. And that heretics presented a danger to society and therefore needed to be destroyed. However, uh, back to modern times. Despite the fact that much work has been done to prevent torture, incidents of torture have actually... Take a shot every time I say torture. Incidents of torture... I don't want, I don't want alcohol poisoning. <laughs> ...have actually increased in the 20th century compared to the 19th century. Amnesty International reported in 2000 that the governments of over 132 countries use torture. This can be explained by the rise in the number and intensity of military conflicts, leading to increased torture of prisoners of wars, increased prevalence of civil conflicts, creating division along racial, ethnic, and religious lines, and an expansion in the definition of treason. But let's talk about some specific cases of torture. And let's start strong. Mm. Content warning. Content warning. (laughs) And let's start strong with the United States. Now, um, oh, the land of the free. They've never course, tortured anyone. Of course, I, I'm this sure. will be very short—a very short section. Yeah. You, you would, you would think. Oh, well, this, this is of <clears throat> course in this in the 1800s. <laughs> I, 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 I bet. Um, now, some people would think that being a liberal democracy uh, means that a country does not routinely use torture as a weapon against foreign nationals or its own citizens. However, they would be wrong. <laughs> Um, also, calling the United States a liberal democracy is questionable in itself, but yeah. um, you know that's a yeah. term that is generally accepted. Mm-hmm. So let's go with that. They're they're teetering on the edge of both liberal and democracy, <laughs> and the defender of that liberal democracy, Joe Biden. So you know, you know that's you're in good hands. You're in good. You're in good demented hands. All right, so um, we'll talk about two instances of human rights violations. And the first one is the Abu Ghraib prison in Iraq. Initially, Abu Ghraib was a maximum security prison uh, that was later used by the United States as a holding place for political prisoners during the so-called War on Terror following 9-11. The United States used it as a detention center after invading Iraq, 
mostly imprisoning individuals suspected of insurgency and people that were suspected of having committed crimes against the occupying forces, but also housed regular, regular old criminals. <laughs> regular old criminals. In 2003, reports started coming out of the abuses occurring in the center. And the scandal came to public attention when a 60 Minutes 2 news report aired, describing the abuses occurring within and including photographic evidence. These pictures are all online now, so I guess you can go see them if you haven't already. And if you have a strong stomach. But they're pictures taken by the GIs of other GIs or themselves abusing prisoners. And the thing is, they are pretty tame compared to actual like descriptions of abuses that came out yeah. so they took pictures of the things that they thought were cute yeah in this but like, horrible torture but it's prison. crazy because like there's pictures of chai's just like smiling and uh like, like thumbs up thing next to corpses i know like like na- i mean i'm sorry content warning but like corpses of like naked bleeding, uh, bleeding body. yeah. bodies it's um it's rough if you ever wanted like lose faith in like the concept of the Western world, this is a good place to start. Yeah. In any case, uh, the Bush government blamed the low-ranking officers on site and tried to play it off as them acting on their own accord. Uh, a classic. Cla- classic. Classic this comes move. Up, this comes up again and again. Um, it, wasn't it was just, it's my just a, fault. Just a it's, few bad apples. Just a few it does bad not apples. reflect on the values of the American literally, uh, people and culture. It's literally the same reason. It's literally the same excuse that. Um, that Lenin used and as, Stalin as to why yeah, the yeah, yeah. Ro- as to why the Romanov family were all killed. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, they they argued that like the, the, Lenin didn't give the order to kill the Romanovs. He would never do that. <laughs> it's just low acting. Like the local Soviet forces did that they on their own accord. They just made decision to because they like, were scared murder. and they were panicked. They had to make mm-hmm. a choice. It's Lenin didn't do that himself. Yeah. It's it's such a classic sort of like passing the buck. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's it happens like basically yeah. every time there's a scandal like yeah. that. I guess no one wants to take responsibility for torture, even if even if it's your country. Like I'm just I'm just thinking like even if this is the case, right? Even if it is fucking George, like the Bush government, like even if it was low acting like GIs on site doing the thing, right? Doing it on their own accord, they're your GIs, George. I mean, you still George, need to take. You need, Mr. George Bush. Yeah, but like, yeah, but Mr. Sir. Mr. Sir, they're your, they're your guys, though. Like, <laughs> even you, if it wasn't like you, you still take responsibility. Yeah. Like you, you're the the. Head. You're the guy. You're the guy. You're the state leader. Like, sorry, that kind of comes with yeah. the job. They act on your authority. Yeah. Like, even if they fuck up, that's your fault. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in 2004, copies of internal memoranda from the FBI were released, which discussed torture at Abu Ghraib, as well as Afghanistan and in Guantanamo Bay, in which explicitly referred to executive orders sanctioning the use of torture, or, um, as are also uh, known, extraordinary interrogation tactics. Enhanced interrogation tactics, isn't uh, it? I think they're, named, they're called different things. That's so interesting. I wonder if they had, like... I wonder, I wonder if, if some, some clerk is just like, it says extraordinary interrogation tactics, it's not enhanced, so we only use this list of ex- and weird torture methods instead of this list of torture methods. <laughs> they might be. Anyway, uh, Also, tor- this, I'm not surprised at all, by the way, that this came, comes from the executive to Of be course like, not. Yeah, of course of not. Of course not. Of course not. George when you, Bush when you were like When you were like, even if they did, I'm like, yeah, but, but of they, course didn't. they did. Of course they did. They didn't. <laughs> Why are we having this conversation? Of course they didn't. <laughs> anyway, the torture methods that were sanctioned included sleep deprivation, 
hooding prisoners, playing loud music, removing detainees' clothing, forcing them to stand in so-called stress positions, including the strapado, um, and the use of military dogs for uh, intimidation. Yeah. Uh, the sleep deprivation method actually has a special name. It was called the Frequent Flyer Program, and it consisted of prisoners being moved from one cell to another every few hours as soon as they would like enter deep sleep. Yeah. So they could not sleep for days, weeks, or even months. Yeah. Other methods that were authorized were sensory deprivation, temperature extremes, and reversed sleep patterns. The methods were authorized by the defense secretary at the time, Donald Rumsfeld. Um, yeah, and they which, are, which is why he is going to hell. <laughs> and they are all illegal under international law, by the way. Um, and of course, other things occurred despite not being directly sanctioned, including prisoners being doused in phosphoric acid, soldiers urinating on detainees, stripping them naked and dragging them across the floor on ropes or leashes, and sexual assault. Um, after the pictures were released and the evidence became hard to argue with, on May 7, 2004, President Bush publicly apologized for the abuse of the prisoners at the facility, and so did Donald Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld, however, was very careful to distinguish between torture and abuse, saying, what has been charged so far is abuse, which I believe technically is different from torture. I'm not going to comment on the torture word. <laughs> yeah, um, they, that's, this is a common thing I, I know in like American like discourse. What, what they, you caught us for, that's abuse. That's abuse, though. Like, it's abuse. Torture? Not torture. Not torture. They, they're we very still do caref- torture. <laughs> But they're very careful around the word torture. They don't yeah. want to use the word torture. No, Even they when they like want to do torture, they call it like enhanced interrogation mm-hmm. or well, they go too far. Outside like they know it's wrong. It's like abuse. <laughs> they, can't, they hate the word torture. Yeah. I hate all of these people so much. I know. And they, it gets so much worse to you when you realize it's not just for like Republican presidents who do it. Just so it's like, because like, no, I mean, if you look at like what Clinton did when he was president or like Obama is doing later, I, I guess you're going to get to it. Sorry, I'm mm-hmm. just ranting a little bit. Like they all do this shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the soldiers uh, that were involved, 11 were convicted of various charges. Most of them received minor sentences, and nobody was charged for the extrajudicial murders of the detainees, including that of Manadel al-Jamadi, who was tortured to death inside the camp, and who was actually the person that um, that the GIs took, um, took, took pictures of yeah. uh, together. I mean, you know, the, yeah. the pictures that circulate the- on the internet of them, like, next to... Uh, a corpse that's yeah. that's him the awful selfies um the awful selfies no nobody got um charged yeah. for that it should be said <laughs> also that like many of these people were just like innocent and the, and the, many of them are alive today mm-hmm. like because this is not that long ago this is less than 20 years ago yeah i don't i haven't looked into i mean what happened to all of these people mm-hmm. i mean there are hundreds of people yeah um mm-hmm. But, but, but in any case, yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you know, everybody deserves a trial. Uh, nobody yeah. deserves to be tortured. You yeah. can't just like take people in and treat them like, I mean, you like know, less than animals. Yeah, there's a guy who lives in London now who, um, uh, I, I saw this like I think it was on, on an episode of last week tonight. Who is one of the one of the guys like on one of the photos? Who I think he like wears a hood and standing on a box. Or something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. The one that um, like I think, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure like he was innocent or he was like suspected of something completely different. Yeah, because he, that's he the lives thing. in London now. Like that's as, the, just, he's just a guy. Exactly, that's the thing. Like a lot of the people were taken there based on a suspicion yeah. that they committed crimes against the occupying government. Mm. Or the occupying yeah. forces, right? Like, there, there's no trial, there's no evidence. Yeah. They were just held in there and tortured until 
something happened i guess yeah. um and the guy that like with on in the picture the one that's standing on a box apparently he you can see that he has like electrodes uh, yeah ex exactly yeah. electrodes so he was told that if he falls off the box then he'll be electrocuted yeah, yeah it's uh, horrible horrible um so that was that was Abu Ghraib. <laughs> Let's talk about Guantanamo Bay. Oh, great. <laughs> we have more. We have more. So Guantanamo Bay was another camp established by the Bush administration following the 9-11 attacks. And while Rumsfeld, same guy, initially said that the camp was established to detain extraordinarily dangerous people and to prosecute them for war crimes, the camp has primarily been used for enemy combatants. Um, so anybody who just fights on the opposing side, side, yeah, the, the, camp, in the war on terror, in the war on terror. So uh, it's located in Cuba, and the, one of the I guess there's it's very complicated. There's a lot of reasons why it's in Cuba. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't. Um, I'm not an expert on uh, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, this is not a legal podcast. <laughs> no, but so from what I understand, like one of the big reasons why Cuba. It's because it allows the government to invoke the extraterritoriality argument in order to justify the human rights violations mm. that occur on the island. Because yeah. they just say, well, they don't have jurisdiction over the camp because it's not on U.S. territory. <laughs> so the Constitution doesn't apply. I love... This is so stupid. I know. It's, it's so stupid. stupid. It's like, Sorry, it's, it's, it's not a, in the country. So Sorry. It's on a U.S. base run by, a, run by American soldiers. Oh, we so don't have any control. It's not It's not We don't have any control. Sorry. It's not under control. Um, we can do whatever we want. So the first major reason why Guantanamo Bay is infamous is because the detainees are unlawfully kept. Plaintiffs typically have the right to a fair trial. They have the right to be notified of the charges for which they are arrested. They have the right to a lawyer. They're also supposed to be presumed to be innocent until proven guilty. However, because the people who are sent to Guantanamo are most often not citizens of the United States and are as such referred to as enemy combatants, they are treated as war criminals and are denied the rights that people have under the Geneva Convention. Instead, they are tried before special courts, specifically military commissions. And also, like I said, because it's because the base is located outside the United States, uh, the United States government just claims that it doesn't have jurisdiction uh, over the camp and its prisoners. And this is how the United States has been getting away with the human rights violations that it has. Yeah. It's technically legal, like, under the U.S. internal, like, Byzantine legal system. <laughs> um, now, again, Guantanamo Bay is a legal black hole. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> I looked yeah. into it, and there's so much legal jargon. <laughs> yeah. I was sitting here, like, what have I gotten myself into? Mm -hmm. Because I don't understand half this stuff. Um, I, I but... once talked to a civil rights lawyer in the U.S. Yeah. who like was a low low person like working in a big machine of trying to like close down gitmo mm -hmm. uh and apparently that's normal mm -hmm. like high up people who like work very advanced levels on guantanamo bay don't know everything about it because it's mm -hmm. it's such it's such a complicated it's very mess. very complicated um mm -hmm. i mean there's a reason why obama couldn't close it because mm -hmm. like it, it, there's america's legal system is such a clusterfuck so mm -hmm. there's like it's impossible to do anything about it yeah uh, well, the reason I said that is not to like sort of shirk responsibility because we are making a podcast, but I don't want to say too much yeah. uh, that <clears throat> I don't understand. Yeah. Um, if you're interested in it, you know, 
look into it. <laughs> become read, become read a legal a expert in Guantanamo Bay. Go to law school and uh, learn about Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> Apply to Harvard. Do your own do your own research. But no. I just wanted to to mention the conditions uh, and what actually happens in Guantanamo Bay. Yeah, of course. So as far as the actual conditions of the prison go, the International Committee of the Red Cross inspected the facilities and accused the U.S. military of using beatings, waterboarding, sleep deprivation, prolonged constraint and uncomfortable positions, force feeding, prolonged hooding, cultural and sexual humiliation, sexual assault, intimidation using military dogs and semi-automatic weapons, enemas and forced drug injections. The frequent flyer program that I mentioned earlier was actually developed in Guantanamo. Uh, I hate that. I, the American tax money hard at work um, <laughs> going right. to to torture development in Guantanamo. Your very own. I hate, I hate this. Um, it was also reported that military physicians would communicate confidential medical information to the interrogation teams, um, including medical weaknesses and phobias, which, yeah. the mil- which the military personnel would then take advantage of, resulting in the prisoners losing confidence in the practitioners yeah. and in the medical care that they would receive. This is something that I saw when I was reading, because I, I was thinking about, like, when we started writing the script for this video, I was like, Okay, I, I kind of wanted to include like, like medical physicians' yeah. involvement in torture, yeah. but in, in like the ancient times, it's it's not that advanced. It's like they were there, but like when I read about this shit, mm-hmm. why do you become a doctor if like you ha- if you have an you have an oath, right, to do no harm? Yeah. Why on earth would you do this? Like I feel like if you're a doctor who does this shit, you go to hell. You go to special hell. Everyone who does this type of like torture stuff goes to hell, right? But if you're a doctor who like sells out your like patient's confidentiality so that they can do better torture towards you, like yeah, you go to super hell. I know. I think it's just hard. I'm and I'm not saying this like to in any way to like justify it, but mm-hmm. I, you know, reading about the kind of prisoners that they keep there, I think that like if you're a staunch nationalist. I think it would be easier for you to be like, well, these people don't deserve mm. to be treated like human beings. These people tried to murder people. These people collaborated with terrorists, mm. you know? I, I get, and I, I I'm get defi- that you I'm can de- justify it, yeah. But yeah. Like, as a doctor, I would not... I, like, I, if, like, because I'm trying to think of, like, an equivalence. Because, like, like, when I read about, like, the, the, the way... The way that, like, the Allies dealt with Nazis after the Second World War, for example, like, you know, obviously horrible people who, like, deserve to die, mm-hmm. I, I, I believe. There's still a part of me that, like, I wouldn't really be comfortable with a doctor sort of, like, taking part in it. I feel like that's something that's, like, not really for a doctor to do. No. That's not, it's, like, there's something that it sits wrong with me, like, inside that, like... But a person is more than a doctor. A person, I mean, like yeah, the, the, people are complicated. Like they have yeah. a variety of values and like but I feel beliefs. Like, and... But I feel like once you become a doctor, that's a calling that's supposed to like go above like your own. Not values. everybody. Not everybody goes into medicine because it's a calling. Some people do it for the money. Yeah. Some people do I it because it's interesting. Some people do it because I just. It's... I just feel like it has to be a calling. It has to be a responsibility that you take. Same as like when you're, um, like, if, like if you become a teacher, for example, you can't just hate kids. Or like, like, like sell your kids' information to bullies, because like that's that's the sort of like vibe that I'm getting here. Like that's you can't do that shit. Yeah. No, I I know what you mean. Um, and again, like yeah. not I'm not justifying it in any way, but I think that no, no, I can it. understand how a person can have like conflicting conflicting beliefs. Mm-hmm. I get it. So, obviously, very bad conditions, right? Yeah. 
Um, in August 2003, there were even 23 suicide attempts, which the Pentagon reclassified as manipulative, self-injurious behaviors. Um, as the prison physicians believed that the prisoners were not actually trying to take their lives and rather were trying to obtain better living conditions. <laughs> there were, so, so they were saying that like, the, the prisoners were trying to manipulate their, the guards, the guards yeah. into giving them like, better conditions. <laughs> Um, even after in June 2006, three deta detainees were found dead, prison commander Harry Harris claimed it was not an act of desperation, rather an act of asymmetric warfare against us, which, which, which I think is quite telling of their commitment to like uphold human decency. You know, in the these camp. people killing themselves is an attack against us. Yeah, exactly. This man is also going to super hell. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm acting as the role of God here and sending all these people to super hell. You're going to hell. And you're going to hell. And everybody's going everybody's to hell. Everybody's going to hell. <laughs> now, we're in 2022. Guantanamo Bay has been open for a bit over 20 years. What is, what is going on? What's the status yeah. of the prison now? And what lies ahead? Um, well, there was a very interesting case in 2008 called the uh, Boumedine versus Bush case which challenged the legality of Lahdar Boumedin's detention at Guantanamo. And this case was a watershed case in that it granted detainees the right to file for habeas corpus, essentially granting them the right to petition against unlawful imprisonment. The court, uh, following the case, concluded that while the United States does not have formal sovereignty of Guantanamo, it does exercise significant de facto control. <laughs> Duh! Duh. And this is huge, as everything about Guantanamo was built and done to prevent prisoners from getting due process. Um, so now they have a bit more legal recognition. Okay, that's good. In addition to Boumedin and other similar cases that gave detainees more legal protection, there have been also talks of closing Guantanamo. The UN and Amnesty International, along with numerous NGOs, have been active in denouncing the human rights violations at Guantanamo and promoting its closure. So far, Obama promised to close it. That didn't happen. But he did reduce the number of inmates from 245 to 41. Trump uh, signed an executive order to keep it open indefinitely. Because <laughs> so, he's just the worst. And, and Biden talked of closing it and so far uh, hasn't taken any steps in any direction. Yeah, um, which so. sounds much like his entire policy. Typical, uh, exactly. <laughs> Biden promised to do something, does nothing. Uh, Trump does what like everybody wants him to not do and uh, Obama tries and fails <laughs> Obama tries and fails mostly mm -hmm. I bruh now that we've talked about the United States let's move this is also land of the free home of the brave this is like <laughs> this is what democracies can do mm -hmm. now let's move away from the United States and next to my second least favorite country Russia uh, Russia, both today and as the Soviet Union, also has a long history of using torture liberally against both enemies of the regime, marginalized groups, and enemy combatants. The only, combatants. Thing, the only thing that they They're uh, good use, at use liber liberally. <laughs> torture. Um, but let's start from the beginning, kind of. Uh, between the summer of 1937 and November 1938, in what later became known as the Great Terror, the Stalinist government arrested over 1.5 million people for counter-revolutionary or anti-Stalinist activity. Oh, the purge. The purge. These people were either quickly executed or thrown into gulags, where they suffered widespread torture at the hands of security agencies, specifically the NKVD. 
1949, Stalin wrote that he permitted the use of what was euphemistically called the application of physical measures of persuasion. Which I love, by the way. Yeah. I love these euphemisms for torture. Enhanced interrogation. Enhanced interrogation shit. techniques. This shit. Um, apparently, Stalin also asked in 1939 why the socialist security agencies had to be more humanitarian than bourgeois security agencies, which routinely applied physical measures of persuasion to their enemies. But they're doing it. <laughs> they're why doing can't it. we do it? Why do we have to be good about it? They get to do it. They get to do it. I also want to do it. In 1948, Stalin decided that the internal enemies had been removed and called a halt to the torture operations. He also criticized the NKVD for carrying out the mass executions and executed Grendik Yagada and Nikolai Yezhov, who headed the NKVD during the purge years. Uh, it really seems that governments uh, really like the bad apples approach, where they uh, give an order and then scapegoat the people who execute the order. It seems very convenient, mm -hmm. uh, very good. But that was before. What's Russia doing today? Uh, well, regular tortures committed on Russian territory continue today, with the massive persecution of LGBTQ people in Chechnya being an unfortunate example. Now, Chechnya is a republic of the Russian Federation. It has its own constitution and legislature, but it is also under direct Russian rule and is meant to comply to, with its federal laws. So, uh, you know, it's its own territory, but Russia could put a stop to it, it could, if, they, if they wanted if to. They wanted to. The status of LGBT rights in Chechnya has long been a subject of concern among human rights organizations, including Amnesty International. However, in 2017, the government launched a violent crackdown on LGBT people. It started with the arrest of a Chechen man, man on a drug-related offense, and it led to the discovery of contact information of other gay men on his phone. The crackdown was made worse after the LGBT rights organization GayRussia.ru applied for permits to hold gay pride parades in the North Caucasus region, which were all denied, but which led to anti-gay demonstrations and social media posts calling for the execution of gay people. In any case, the Chechen police has been and is currently conducting entrapment schemes where victims are lured on dates, beaten, humiliated, and thrown in secret prisons where they are further tortured and sometimes killed. Chechen police are also reportedly pressuring parents in the region to kill their children if they suspect them of being gay and releasing prisoners to their relatives if the relatives promise to perform honor killings on them. Jesus Christ. Chechen and Russian authorities have, of course, denied the purges and persecutions. Alvi Karimov, a spokesperson for Ramzam Kadyrov, the current head of the Chechen Republic, claimed that gay people just don't exist in the Republic, mm -hmm. and that if there were such people in Chechnya, the law enforcement organs wouldn't need to have anything to do with them, because their relatives would send them somewhere from which there is no returning, meaning they would be honor-killed. In a 2017 interview, Kadyrov stated, we don't have any gays. If there are any, take them to Canada to purify our blood. If there are any here, take them. In 2019, the Chechen Minister of National Policy claimed that gay people's sick imagination was to blame for the purge reports. It's all in your head. <laughs> Fucked up. No, no. Currently, the victims of Chechnya's anti-gay uh, anti persecution are primarily trying to evacuate the country, although it seems that they are having trouble finding countries that will issue them visas. The Russian LGBT uh, network is assisting people in emigrating to European nations, including Germany and Lithuania and Canada. Additionally, Russian forces are currently subjecting Ukrainian civilians to forced detentions and torture. 
Um, if you've been following the news, this has been this has been going on since February. There are ongoing events. Like this year is a lot. This year is a lot. In Mariupol, civilians who want to leave the city cannot do so without undergoing a process known as filtration, which is where Ukrainian citizens are interrogated, their belongings, phones, social media accounts are searched for evidence for affiliation with the Ukrainian army, defense forces, media, government, or civil society groups. In case such affiliations exist, people are beaten, burnt, electrocuted, sexually assaulted, sometimes summarily, summarily executed. Reasons for torture can include not wanting to join Russian forces, being at rallies, having family members who are part of the Ukrainian territorial defenses, um, and many more. Like, you really don't need a very strong reason to get tortured. Yeah. And sometimes it happens for no reason. Like, there's reports of people who say, you know, that they were held and they saw, like, somebody else come in. And without asking them anything, the Russian... Um, Forces or the Russian, not the people there, would just like start beating them. Yeah. Um, so it seems that there's not always like a reason for it. Yeah. Um, These filtration camps are like everywhere too, right? Yeah. Like in occupied territories and also like in Russia. Because mm-hmm. um, when, whenever like the Russian forces made advances, right, they're not, they're not letting, they're, they're not opening humanitarian corridors for people to evacuate except for into Russia. So yeah, like, exactly. They'll, 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 they'll they'll bomb the entire front line so that people have nowhere else to evacuate mm-hmm. except for into Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's so where, that's, you know. that's what's happening. The So if you don't pass, so there's like a pass or a fail, right? If you yeah. don't pass, then you get beaten, you get tortured, you get killed. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, you know, I don't really know what else they do to you, but they certainly don't let you go. But then no. if you pass... Um, you get to go to a... You get to be deported. They yeah. take your documents away and they transport you to Russian territories and they often uh, split families apart. They take your children. They adopt your children away to Russian families. Mm-hmm. And then you disappear. And then you disappear. And there's no way for you to come back to Ukraine because yeah. you don't have any documents left. Yeah. Uh, I Sometimes I, I think they also give them... They take their Ukrainian passports and they give them Russian passports instead to like manipulate um, like population yeah. demographics. Yeah. Yeah, and the purpose of the abuse um, is to obtain information, but also instill fear in the people and opt- like achieve geopolitical goals. Um, but also torture, in these cases, seems to happen because people enjoy power. Um, people yeah. with guns uh, like to oppress people without guns. Yeah. So very, sometimes there's very common in there's, like wars and exactly. stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, in previous sections, I rounded these little segments segments off by giving an overview of the ensuing investigations and charges. However, the war in Ukraine is currently ongoing, and I can't really end like that. There's more than twenty-three thousand war crimes that are currently under investigation by more than forty countries, which agreed to work together to bring Russian forces to justice. But that might take years and years. Um, and if they ever go anywhere. If they ever go anywhere. I mean, yeah, the, the war is still ongoing and there's no end in sight. Yeah. But I hope that it will end soon. And I hope that, uh, you know, the people responsible will, will be brought to justice. Mm-hmm. That's all you can really hope for mm-hmm. when things like these happen. Let's hope that Putin and the Russian 
general staff go to super hell very soon. <laughs> and swiftly. Very, very soon and swiftly. Mia, how did you feel about this episode? Bummer. It's a bummer, huh? I told you it was going to be a bummer. I know it's like, going to be a bummer. We, your section was... Again, it was so funny and like interesting and we like bantered and had a good time. It's... And then my <laughs> section came around and I f- and it was a bummer mm. and it was heavy. It's it's one thing to talk about like torture in the in the abstract. For, yeah. Cuz like that's that's what like when you search like on Google like torture methods stuff like that, all you find are like BuzzFeed articles and history. Uh, hit, hit history.biz uh, articles being like five most wacky torture yeah, yeah, yeah and it's just like okay it's kind of it's kind of nice just to talk about but everyone talks about it like as in like something that happened that people, before yeah. and like we don't have to even like it's just something that we read about like for the yeah. sake of curiosity and like you know we just want to like know what happened yeah. and like laugh about it a little bit and then the reality hits and then reality that it's happening today yeah, I read a lot about torture today, and I feel like I need a little bit of a break. Yeah, there's so many reports of people who were lucky enough to like come escape, escape yeah. and like come back from these filtration centers, from these um, just holding cells, um, and they, you know, like they give reports of like people they lost or like people that they see that they saw get tortured to death, and it's uh, harrowing. Um, and I didn't even include anything about like. Buha and what happened yeah. there because that felt like too much and it's weird to sort of you know because you don't want to you don't want to make it a spectacle but you also don't want to like not talk about something because yeah. it's too shocking so it's like a weird balance yeah i think it's interesting how there are many similar patterns uh in in history like again because like I, I feel like, I feel like it's interesting. Like even in these like modern filtration camps, where like there's so much is just cruelty. Mm-hmm. There's uh, also like, um, it's like this the citizenship comes up again in the sense of mm-hmm. like you know they're it's it's targeting Ukrainians Them. instead yep. of like their their, their own, own citizens, even if it happens, of course. But you know it's a, a pattern, um, and also this sort of like assumption of assumption assumption of like guilt mm-hmm. where. If they can find something that they can see as like justifying torture, then mm-hmm. then they can use that to sort of justify it as well. I think it's so interesting that like the the way human cruelty works over time hasn't changed mm. that much. Mm. Fucked up. That's that's what torture is. It's fucked up. <laughs> and uh, I think that uh, if anyone who does torture or thinks torture is uh, acceptable, they can go suck a, suck a cactus. <laughs> Like, that's what they can do. They can suck a cactus. All right. I think we should round off this episode. This quite difficult episode. Quite difficult episode. Um, can, but I, can I give you a fun fact to, sh- to sort of uplift the energy? Yeah, let's go. Let's hear it. Um, did you know that the, uh, that the German military actually has, uh, has a rule set that like, they've implemented since, since unification uh, and since the, since the Second World War, where any soldier has like a standing order to disobey an order that they feel would be cruel or humiliating to the target's like dignity. Mm-hmm. Meaning meaning that like they they are encouraged to like 
even if they get the order to torture people, they are they are told to like they are not allowed to follow such an order, and I think that that's that's kind of nice in a way. Hmm. And, I, and I think that that's an attitude that more nations should like adopt a little bit. Mm-hmm. That like like there are, that there are no circumstances where it's okay to do it, even in war, even in horrifying circumstances, even if you get an order to do it, you should not do it. I mean, technically. They, they. I mean, even even like Russia, like they're not allowed to do that because they are a member of the the Convention Against Torture. Yeah. So it's. I mean. I mean, yeah. People, I guess, can break the rules, but I think they can break the rules, and like it's. It, I mean, it's nice that it's there, but I feel like if if somebody like Putin uh, came around and decided that he wanted to to do it to do it and torture it. people, then they yeah. would do it. Um, anyway, I don't want to end this episode on a bummer note. I mean, it's a bummer episode. It's a bummer folks. episode. But listen, if you like the episode, if you like the show, uh, consider rating us, uh, leaving a review, uh, sharing this episode. It helps a lot. It helps so much. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, we post once a month. <laughs> or you know, you can follow us on our personal accounts where we post slightly more often. Um, and if you want to help us keep the show going, consider supporting us on Patreon. Mm-hmm. Giving us reviews on the Yeah, we already said that. Thanks, okay. <laughs> okay! <laughs> you never listen. Yeesh! Um, yeah, but thank you for sticking around, and we hope you have a great rest of the day, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>